Section 14 of The Lion's Brood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lion's Brood by Duffield Osborne. Section 14. Cannae. The cavalry trumpets rang out their clear notes, and Sergius and his companions threw themselves upon their kneeling chargers. They rode out and down the bank behind the consul, who, with head hanging upon his breast, had turned his rein from the moment he had given the word. What if the dust did swirl up in blinding sheets from the south? Before them lay the Roman battle, horse and foot, such an army as the city had never sent forth. What if its masses were somewhat cramped, its front narrow, its general an amateur? They were to fight at last, and how should a mongrel horde of barbarians but half their number stand firm against the impetus of such a shock? A moment's hush, then measured voices rose in calm cadence, the voices of the tribunes administering the military oath to each cohort, Faithful to the Senate, obedient to your imperator. What Roman could doubt that the voice of victory spoke in the thunderous response? And now the clangor of the cymbals and the roll of drums came up on the breezes from the south, and with them a strange uproar of barbarous shouts and cries. Then it was that the Roman legionaries began to crash their heavy javelins against their great oblong shields, until the din drowned everything else, and the thunder of Jove himself might have roared in vain. Sergius had ridden up the bank, almost at the consul's reign, and his eyes wandered eagerly over Varro's array. Eight full legions with their quota of allies seemed welded into one huge column, Romans on the right, Italians on the left. The sun was well up, and its rays played upon a very sea of bronze from which the feathered crests rose and shivered like foam. Far beyond the column, on the extreme left, he could make out squadrons of allied horse, and then he turned to take his place amid the cavalry of the city. Young men well-born, burning with courage and ardor and wrath, despite himself his heart rose with a leap of triumph. A moment later he caught the little beady eyes of the consul looking through him, as it were, while the thin mouth beneath writhed itself into a sneer. "'You hope? That is well,' said Paulus. "'Young men fight better and die better when they hope, but I will show you how a Roman soldier can give up his life for naught. I would wish,' he added with lowered voice and speaking as if in self-communion, "'that more of our horsemen had adopted the Greek arms.' Reed spears and oxide bucklers will not stand long against heavy cavalry. A temple to Mars the Avenger, if I had but a front of Illyrian horse. See now, there are the scum. His voice rose eagerly at the last words, and Sergius turned from the dark face now flashing with a sudden animation, and looked southward over the plain. For a moment the dust was too thick, then it seemed to clear away, and a Carthaginian army burst into view undulating like the open sea and rolling steadily on like the long slow sweep of billows upon a level shore the glory of barbaric war drew near on their left resting upon the river's bank rode the spanish and gallic cavalry strengthened here and there by a horse and man in full armor like those of the clinabarians and the face of paulus clouded again when he noted what opponents he must meet men horses arms all heavier than his own with the exception of a few termae newly equipped in the greek fashion beyond them thrown back in echelon marched africans in little squares of sixteen front 
these had substituted for their own equipment the Roman spoils of Trace Menace and Trebia. Then, and again somewhat in advance, came alternate companies of Gauls and Spaniards spread out in long, thin array, the former stripped of the navel, their hair tied up in a tufted knot, and bearing their great swords upon their shoulders, the Spaniards glittering in their purple-bordered tunics of snowy linen. The waving pikes of phalanges told of more Africans who seemed to lie in echelon beyond, while far away, toward the low hills overgrown with copsewood that formed the eastern horizon, clouds of swift-moving dust amid which shadows darted hither and thither at seeming random, marked the presence of the wild riders of Numidia, who were to face the horsemen of Italy and of the Latin name. In front of all, the plain was dotted with naked men advancing at regular intervals and bearing small bucklers of lynxhide, the famous Balearic slingers that always opened the day of battle for Carthage. The heart of Sergius swelled within him, beating hard and fast under the tension of the moment. Only a few minutes more and those magnificent armies would crash together, not to part until the plain should be heaped with corpses that were now men until the gods should adjudge the sovereignty of Italy. Then he grew calm, calm as a consul himself, and gazed enraptured upon the picture, as if it meant no more than art and show. Only the wind came fresher from the south, and the fine dust, ground up by marching thousands, smarted and blinded his eyes. Nearer and nearer they drew with steady, slow advance, while Rome stood still and awaited their coming and now a commotion seemed to start from the far distant south, the roar of voices, the blinding flash of the sun on tossing swords, a cloud of dust distinct upon the plain, clump of horse-head standards rising amid it, and a group of riders urging their galloping steeds along the invader's front. Rich armor of strange patterns shone among them, and, a length ahead of the rest, Sergius could see a white stallion with close-cropped mane, and hooves and fetlocks stained vermilion that danced and curveted and arched its proud neck under the touch of a master he was not an over-tall man but his figure as he rode seemed well knit and graceful his armor was of brown bronze scale work rich with gold and jewels while a white mantle fringed with tyrian purple hung from his shoulders a helmet of burnished gold horned and crusted gleamed like a star upon his head while even at a distance, even through the swirl of dust, Sergius saw the crisp, curled black beard, and dreamed that he caught the flash of dark, deep-set eyes. There was no need of the beating of weapons against shields, no need of the roar and howls and shrill screaming in a score of tongues to tell the stranger's name. Most of the soldiers kept ranks, but here and there a Gaul would bound forward, dancing with strange leaps and whirling his sword about his head, to throw himself prone before and beneath a vermilion hooves that never paused or swerved in their gallop. Not a movement, not a glance of the rider gave sign of acknowledgment or recognition. Not a look was cast upon the groveling form, safe or hurt or maimed. Only the soldiers' comrades howled their plaudits, mingled with laughter and rude jeers whenever the devotee lay still or writhed or rose staggering from some stroke of the vermilion hooves. But when the horseman drew bridle before the extreme left of the centre, and with eyes shaded by his hand gazed long and earnestly at the Roman array, the plaudits that had greeted his passage died away into low murmurs and then silence. The general is studying the enemy. Be silent. Who knows but he would commune with Baal and Moloch. Be silent. 
So the word ran round and through the African squares. Suddenly peals of laughter broke from the group of Carthaginian officers that had ridden behind and who now clustered around him. A calm that no devotion, no suffering, no danger of men could move, was gone. The scalicism had turned from his measuring of the enemy to smile and jest with his friends. Thereupon they threw back their heads and laughed loud and long, and then the Africans noted it, and hoarse cries of joy broke from their ranks. The scalicism must be sure of victory. Praise be to Melkarth. Sergius saw a captain of one of the squares run out and touch his forehead to the earth before his commander, but no Roman heard the man's words pregnant with fate. Now, my father, let the lion's brood lead the beasts of the fields to their feast. We hunger, father, we hunger. And Hannibal had made answer, pointing northward toward the plume-crusted sea of a blazing bronze. Lo, friend, there are your meat and wine. And then a new roar of acclamation broke upward and rolled away to the east. Two richly armed riders parted from the group and dashed off. Maharbal, light and slender, bending over his horse's neck, rode headlong in Numidian fashion to his Numidians. Esdrubal, erect and dignified, galloped to the head of a Gaulish and Spanish horse upon the banks of Ophidus. Trumpets, drums, cymbals crashed out in mad barbaric discords, and with their horse-head standards tossing amid the forest of spears, the Carthaginian line drove forward to the attack. Running fast before the line of battle, Sergius could still make out, even through the dust, those same naked men with lynx-hide bucklers dotting the plain at regular intervals, and each man's right arm seemed always whirling about his head. The Roman light troops had pushed on to skirmish, and now they began to fall back, though no arrow or javelin could have reached them, could have flown to the foe. Sergius watched in surprise their confusion and terror as they sought to plunge among the legionnaires or hide themselves behind the horsemen. Nor had they fled unscathed. Here a man ran by screaming and clasping his shattered hand to his breast, then another staggered up with arm hanging broken at his side, while the big drops of blood fell slowly from his fingers. And yet a third appeared, pale and helpless, supported between two companions. Sounds, too, now dull and heavy and again ringing and metallic, seemed to punctuate the roar of the advancing host. Sergius saw a horseman near him clap his hand to his forehead and plunge headlong to the earth. Horses reared and snorted. Some fell with ugly red blotches on their breasts and throats. The clangor and the thuds came faster, faster. For now the clay and leaden bullets of the slingers fell in showers like hailstones, and it was good armor that turned them. Manlius had leapt down to aid a friend who was reeling helplessly, with both eyes beaten out, and a moment later he approached Sergius, holding up a slinger's bullet. The red had sunken into the lines of the stamped inscription, and displayed them in hideous relief. This to your back, sheep! That is always the way with barbarians, sneered Marcus Decius. No blow without an insult. Look, they shall have blows themselves soon that will need no insults to piece them out. Pallas had watched with eagerness, with anxiety, for the signal to advance. Varro seemed to hesitate, while the great masses of Rome, lashed by the bitter rain of the slings, writhed and groaned in anguish and rage. The light troops had disappeared, and the Balerians, now close at hand, leapt and slung without let or hindrance. Then it was that Paulus, waiting no longer, made a sign to his trumpeters. 
scatter me that rabble he cried and the cavalry clarions raised their voices in one long swelling peal of sound close close rose a shout of battle and the roman horse dashed forward into the dust cloud forward upon the slingers that suddenly were not there had vanished as it were into the earth itself the straight trumpets and curved horns of the legions were ringing behind them stirred to life at last but the horsemen did not hear what were those looming up ahead not naked slingers armored cavalry hasdrubal with his gauls and spaniards were before them upon them and all sense and volition were lost in the terrific shock line after line went down as if at touch while fresh lines poured on over the heaving mass of men and horses until those who were face to face seemed to fight upon a hill fiercer grew the pressure tighter and more dense the throng horses crushed together powerless to move snorted and tossed their heads in terror while the riders leaned forward and grappled with those opposite weapons first then hands clutching at throats were doing the deadly work and the dead man and horse stood fast amid the press unable even to fall and become merged into the hideous purple thing beneath their feet mere weight though was beginning to tell the human ridge that marked the joining of the battle seemed far back among the enemy and squadron after squadron in close array breasted its top and plunged down to mingle with the living or take their places among the dead the romans were giving ground slowly stubbornly but unmistakably and still above the shouts and shrieks the trampling and the clash of weapons the groans and the hard short breathing they could hear the harsh voice of the consul paulus urging his men to make battle firmly backward steadily backward and now in one of those mad rushes in which men who seemed immovably wedged were swirled about like water in a maelstrom sergius found himself close to the consul with manlius but a few places in front the thin cruel lips had writhed away from the white teeth the helmet was gone and the scant black hair was dabbled with blood that flowed from a slight cut upon the general's brow the snake-like eyes sought those of the young patrician with a look wherein exultation and despair were strangely mingled to the earth to the earth all he cried at the same moment plunging his sword into his horse's throat and lighting firmly on his feet as the animal sank suddenly down we must stand gods where are the legions clashing shields and waving javelins while we are cut to pieces gods they shall pay for it then he drew close to sergius's ear and whispered as calmly as if in the praetorium learn now the lesson of war my son hannibal destroys us piecemeal choosing where he is strong and we are weak alvaro allows his strength to stand and rest and wait for its turn to come down 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 all outnumbered outarmed borne down and back the roman cavalry still fought but the press had grown looser the mass less dense and now at the word of the consul all that could hear his voice obeyed the order of despair ancient as the day of lake regulus man after man sprang to earth here was freer swing for weapons here was surer foothold better chance to stand fast and for a moment the thronging foe seemed to recoil before the determined onslaught but it was not recoil it was only the devouring of the foremost by the red monster underneath 
who could recoil with the squadron still pouring on over the hill of corpses behind beaten a man could die in his place and much they did many too had followed the roman example leaping from their steeds and fighting hand to hand till the cavalry battle had changed into a thousand combats of man against man it was here that caius manlius fell sergius was about a few feet from him when he saw the youth sway gently and bowing his head sink down he made an effort to push to his side and then the front of the enemy seemed to receive some new impetus and surged forward over the spot what mattered it he had seen the red spear point peeping out between his friend's shoulders he was dead as they would soon all be and the couch was purple and king-like at that moment he felt his arm gripped hard and turned to look into the consul's face do you not see it is over said paula sharply how oh, we are falling back forced back faster and faster we are where we first stood do you see that sapling by the river i marked it before we rode out soon we shall break come where asked sergius where there may yet be hope if the gods will it if they strike down varro the centre the legions i do not believe they have fairly advanced their standards yet do we fly and as he spoke sergius frowned darkly fool we fight later perhaps we shall die but not here in the centre as he spoke a new swirling rush seemed to carry them away still together first with furious violence then more slowly ah it has come said the consul quietly this way the dust is blinding but i think the sun is behind us pushing on and striking right and left as he went aemilius paulus fought a pathway through the flying and pursuing men sergius followed and once when he saw the consul cut down the boy who had stood near and talked to them that morning he stopped and shuddered paulus paused and laughed at him over his shoulder a flying man in the path of a general is much worse than a dead one he said besides none of them can save his life in that direction so it is nothing at that moment indeed the prophecy that no man of the roman cavalry would escape seemed fair for fulfilment few fought on and these were soon ridden down while gauls and spaniards thundered upon the rear of such as sought safety of the rain and slew them with steady measured strokes only the consul with perhaps a dozen others were for the time safe they were clear of the rout within the protecting reach of the great legionary column that was just beginning to move and they turned gasping for breath and with dazed eyes watched the flight and pursuit sweep by along the river bank end of section fourteen recording by keith salas